Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, January 3rd, 2020. Today we're reading from the big book, and um, we are currently on page 80, the third paragraph. It reads, he felt that he had, he had done. It starts with that, and we're going to read the one paragraph only. Today's readers, we have Tenzin P on the 12 Steps. Christina L. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text, we have Reba P., Kathy C., and Christina J. The share ID for Thursday, January 2nd, uh, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number is 13,914. That's 13914. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 13,916. That's 13916. The uh, host, let's see, the newcomer greeter, we got Duel, and the host for the second hour, Deanna B. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Let me now ask uh, Tenzin P. to get us started by reading the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, we need to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Or the searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. All persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Taught through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin. Okay, Christina Al, I think we we still have 12 traditions, don't we? Would you read those? Sure thing. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. I passed. Thanks, Christina. Okay, if you're new around here, let me tell you how this meeting works. It's a healthy meeting. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. What we do is we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. And, of course, anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes, and I'll, I'll try to time you and cough or something if, uh, if you've gone over. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on this topic. And this meeting does request that your sharing be, again, directly linked to what was read we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, just press star one uh, to unmute your phone. And of course, once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. 
Now today we're going to uh, resume our study of the big book. Uh, we are currently on page 80. The third paragraph that starts, he felt that he had done. And we're going to read one paragraph only and share on that, uh, on that particular paragraph. So to get us started, I'm going to ask uh, Reva P., would you read for us and, and get us going here, Reva? Good morning. Hi, this is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? So this is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So the things that struck me in this is um, making a wrong right, which is what the whole purpose of Step 9 is, to make things right. Um, and I looked up the word right, and it says to um, make something correct, honorable, just, um, something based on the truth. And you know, when I'm in the disease, I can't differentiate the true from the false. I don't know how to make things right. I just know how to do self-will, run riot, and make messes all over the place. So this reminds me that in order to make things right, I need to do the work, which is removing the blocks to a power that gives me that inspiration and guidance. But I also need the guidance of a sponsor um, and people who've gone before me um, when I'm doing these kinds of amends. The other thing that struck me here is that when I have to make wrongs right, it is so not comfortable a lot of the time. Um, and I need to be still and sit in that discomfort. And the amends process is about doing the footwork, getting the guidance, taking the action, and then the outcome is not in my hands. That's up to God. And during that time when I take the action and I'm waiting, it is really uncomfortable, and that's okay. Um, I've heard it said, this is not feel good, feel comfortable, anonymous. This is about getting well, um, and it's not always easy, and it's not always a feel-good process. Um, yeah, and it's about doing better, not feeling better. And yesterday I had to take an action that I'm still super uncomfortable with. Um, and you know what? I couldn't see how it was the right action. It was actually 180 different than what I thought was right. But I know in my gut that it is right. And thank you, God, for the ability to bear discomfort um, because it feels so good. You know, this is like people share about being free. Um, I know it is freeing, um, even when it feels sort of icky. Um, and then God smooths out those rough edges, and eventually I can see the purpose and things, and things unfold. But um, I don't expect it to always be comfortable anymore. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Reva. Okay, again, uh, if you just joined us, Reva read uh, from page 80, the third paragraph. And we're going to comment on that paragraph. Any, once again, no abstinence requirement or anything. Anyone at all can share. If you got a pulse, you can share. Uh, so who would like to get us started on your interpretation of what was uh, read this morning? Nancy, Nancy P. P. 
Nancy Linda and Nancy. Linda. Linda. Hey, Linda. Hey. Melissa C. Melissa. I got Nancy, Nancy, Linda, Mel- Linda and Melissa. Joe M. Hey, yo, Joe. I got you in the mix here. Elise N. Elise. Okay, maybe one more. Or not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I got Nancy, Nancy, Linda, Melissa, Joe, and Elise. Well, let's get it started and see where we're going. I think I heard two separate Nancys. So, Nancy A and Nancy B. Hey, Nancy. Nancy, Nancy T. T. Oh. Okay, how about Nancy Go. T. For, I really confused things. Nancy T. first and then Nancy <laughs> T. How about that? <laughs> Good morning, Nancy me. T. Thanks, thanks, Larry. Nancy T., um, Compulsive Eater in Lewiston, Idaho. So grateful to be on here. And good ears that you heard both of us. Um, you know, I um, I really, something has come to mind these last several weeks that we've been talking about step nine and making amends, and especially in the area of financial amends. And I don't have a specific example where I actually ruined the reputation of another person. Thank you, God because I certainly could have in the behaviors I exhibited, especially under the influence of food and other substances. But what came to mind that I've really been thinking about is I work as a court reporter and part of my job, I do transcripts and attorney will call me and they'll order a transcript of a specific hearing or case that they need. And when they do that, I give them an estimate and then they pay the estimate. Then I do the work. If it's a little over, I send them the money, extra money. If it's a little under, then um, I send them a bill for the remainder. Um, But in this one particular, it was a rather large case, a big trial that we had done, and my estimate was over by $600. And I had never done that before, and it wasn't purposeful. Um, I just misquoted the estimate. Um, But what happened is I was also a compulsive spender, and so I spent um, money compulsively and so I had already spent the extra $600 before I knew that there was an extra $600 I was going to owe them back and so at the end of the transcript when I realized um, I was scared because I didn't have the $600 anymore and so I just did nothing um, for quite a long time but um, thank you God that I have a conscience and it and it didn't go away And as I began working the steps, I realized that I had to make this right. And that meant I was going to have to go to this attorney and admit what I had done and um, arrange a way to pay it back. And so that's what I did finally. And I was scared. I was shaking in my boots. And um, I prayed about it. And I talked to my sponsor about it. And I knew it was the right thing to do, even though it could affect my livelihood. You know, I mean, he he could have called the courts and told them what happened and But this attorney was very gracious, and we arranged a $50 payment plan every single month to get it paid off, and that's what I did, and I had this freedom. That's the purpose of um, taking care of these Step 9 amends is so that we can be free, so that we don't have that block that's blocking us from the sunlight of the Spirit that we so desperately need um, in order to recover And it took away a lot of fear from that point on of continuing forward with other amends that I had to make. And I'm just so grateful for these steps. I'm grateful for my higher power, for the sponsors that I've worked with over the years, and each and every one of you who support me along the way. I could not do this alone, ever, ever, ever. 
So with that, I thank you, and I'll uh, pass it over to the other Nancy, my other sister Nancy, <laughs> right? All right, thanks, Larry. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Okay, Nancy P. Good morning, Nancy. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Nancy. We Nancys have to stick together. Um, this is Nancy P. from today from Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah, this the first part of that is what um, I always hug close, which is he committed a wrong he felt he could never make right. And that sentence for me is like today it doesn't scare me. I mean, I had did so many things that I thought I am never going to get over and never, I'm just never going to be able to do it. And that's how I felt about putting down the food. Just the thought of putting down the food sent me back to the couch. I couldn't even fathom what my life would be like without eating. And, you know, and then I couldn't fathom what my life would be like if I had to write down my fourth step. But luckily, it's not all up to me. It's up to other people in my higher power and the people in my life that I was lucky enough to have to guide me through this. You know, it's like having a pile of paperwork. You just take it one piece at a time. And, um, you know, I had a guide and I had my higher power. And this thing about, you know, feeling like I could never never make things right, as long as I was, as I had surrendered, I didn't have to worry about making things right. I knew that the opportunities would present themselves in appropriate times for me to um, take appropriate action. And, um, you know, that whole thing, that sort of, you know, spot, that appropriate time and appropriate action is like a synapsis in my brain. You know, it became obvious, it became clear when I had to, what I had to do, when I had to do it. And, um, you know, uh, my husband is British and we, um, we go to England and at one point we bought, we went to this outdoor, huge outdoor flea market, really famous one in London. And these women were selling jewelry and I bought some, you know, some earrings and I said, oh my God, this stuff is unbelievable. Um, I should take it back to the United States and sell some. And they said, okay. So I took some back and with every intention of paying them back. And then, I don't know, I forgot and then I blew it off. And I don't know, it was like years and I felt bad because these are like street vendors. And, um, And I never told my husband. And then one day we were in a completely different part of London. One year we went back and we were in a completely different part of London and there they were and I said to my husband I need a hundred pounds right now and I told him what happened and he went to the cash point he gave it to me and I um, went over to them and I said I'm you know I don't even know if you remember me but I I owe you a hundred pounds and here's the money and they were so grateful and um, but and I felt good and everything I felt you know cured and um, better and but the point is that I that feeling that knowledge that I had done that then stood me in good stead for other times. And the amends that I had to make, some of them were really hard. And I knew that I couldn't do it right at the minute that I, that it became obvious that it had to be done, but I became ready and willing because I knew that my higher power was again saying, stop, come close to me. I need you. That's the, that's for me. That's what I use. That's the statement, this phrase that I use to help me over difficult spots is I know that my higher power is beckoning me and it's really, I'll I'll wrap up Larry. Um, It's really an opportunity to get closer to my higher power and with that I'll pass. 
Thanks so much, Nancy. Okay, let's now we're going to get down to brass tacks here. Hey, Linda, followed by Melissa. Good morning, Linda. Hey, Linda, press star one. We can't hear you. All right, I'm not sure if Linda is having... Oh, there I'm, you are. Yeah, I'm sorry, Larry. I got a new phone, and I screw it up every day. Uh, it's Linda in, in Etiquette. Um, I'm really struck by the first line, uh, that he felt that he, he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. What uh, Nancy, number two, said before was so true. I, to this day, have financial amends that... Um, Rather than get specific, I didn't hurt anybody in in terms of ruin their reputation, but um, borrowed money, and I have to pay that back. And um, it's had me just paralyzed with fear. And uh, even though I'm recovered, and this was, it's an odd situation. I won't get into it, but um, this is very reassuring to me because what I hadn't counted on was that God was real. And that God was within me and within everything, and that the right circumstances would present themselves. Like I didn't know that visions would ever come up. Thank God you all have. Teaching me um, all these new approaches, especially the we part, because I can't do this just with a sponsor and going to meetings and using uh, tools, essentially. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm using the steps. And that is what the glue is, is God uh, and those steps. But um, I would have made mistakes like the word public jumps out. There are things I should not say in public because people gossip and things can get around and it'll get all out of whack. And um, so I'm so grateful to have all of you to teach me all these things um, even further on in recovery. So thanks very much, and I pass. Thanks, Linda. Okay, Melissa, you got another three days off, and then back to school with you. Good morning. Hi, Larry. Um, <laughs> I've been back at school already, so this is, oh, okay. we got sure. I know that's that's New York. Our, our vacations are different, but um, yeah, I'm Melissa. See, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and um. You know, when I when I read this, I think, um, no, I can't I can't go back in time and undo things I've done. You know, I I, I can't. It, that's impossible. And um, you know, and and for those of us, you know, myself, I trashed relationships, and I might not have, you know, soiled a man's reputation like this, but um, I caused harm, and and you can't. I can't go back and redo my kids, you know, toddler years, or I can't go back and redo my early years of marriage or, or other things. And, you know, but the other thing I really get out of this is um, how the addict in me starts um, thinking in the future the impact that my amends now are going to have, right? Like, where where was I in in the moments when I was doing the the wreckage? I wasn't really thinking about the consequences then. It, it's it's my fear. I lock in on fear. I don't 
I don't want uncomfortable consequences. And, and yeah, but, but it didn't seem to bother me, you know, too much when I was causing consequences in other people's lives, you know, way back then. And the other thing is, is, you know, when the pain of the addiction, when the pain of the eating is so great that the pain of what might happen when I clean up my amends is nothing, you know, that's what, that's really what happened to me. And I know, you know, um, some people say it's all the surrender. For me, it was all desperation. It was, I could not feel better. I was in so much pain. The food stopped working and I couldn't consume enough to numb me out. And I put the food down, you know, and I started doing the work and yeah, I was terrified to make some of these amends, but I was more terrified to go back to the food. I was experiencing by this point, you know, when we're up to this amends, we're having some experience of freedom and that was exhilarating. And I felt for the first time not owned by the food and, and I, and that was mind blowing. And I never, ever want to go back to that again. And so, yeah, as I go along, I still have amends. Things pop up in my mind as we're reading. All of a sudden, I have this new awareness of something. I'm like, oh, wow, I got to clean that up. And, and I do. You know, I do. It's uncomfortable. I, and, and I have to think, like, nothing is wasted in God's economy. So if I cause harm and harm might come as a result of it, I'm going to do my best but I'm going to leave the results up to God. And um, thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have Joe uh, followed by Elise. Hey, Joe, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service, and I express gratitude for those who have shared thus far and those who will share. Uh, I am, by way of accountability, on day three of sobriety. And I consider it not only a blessing, but a miracle that uh, a good friend of mine uh, is willing to sponsor me. She has been sober for 18 months and lost 97 pounds and just uh, just a blessing. I, I am an overeater in recovery. And I love this paragraph from the big book today. I'm actually waiting for my big book to arrive in the mail. But... Um, being an ecclesiastical leader in my faith, the the phrase make amends is also known as generally repentance and specifically restitution. And what a beautiful concept. Um, I have a, six beautiful children, and I think about what my eating habits and example, poor example in this case for many years, may have done to my children. So I've never really thought until this morning, having heard this paragraph, that I have some amends to make with my children. And so I'm going to first make amends by getting my house in order, by making changes and disciplining myself to the point that I'm in control. And I think that example alone will be a form of making amends. I think it will make me a better father and husband. Um, overeating certainly is in my DNA. I have siblings who are overweight. And fortunately, I have two siblings. I'm the sixth of seven. I have two siblings who are two sisters older than I am 
who over the last couple of years have reined in their poor eating habits and have achieved their ideal weight. Um, and they've set a great example for me. And I'm so grateful for that. Uh, as I sit here, this is my third call in three days, and I intend to listen to a call every weekday. And I just am so um, so amazed at the shares and how people are taking, in this case, their physical health as a business and not as a game. And that uh, is strengthening me. I've had uh, two days of real focused um, consumption of good food, and I just feel so wonderful. So I, at the end of my share, want to thank you all again for your shares and Larry and others who have read for your leadership. Uh, I will pass. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for your share. Okay, um, after Elise, we'll take some more names, but Elise, it's your turn. Good morning. Hello? There you are. Okay. Um, hi. I just wanted to share on this, and um, good morning. Thank you for your service. Um, I um, didn't have any huge um, financial amends to make to others um, except the following. Like, you know, I was working at places, and let's say I'd use the copy machine, we had lines where we could make long-distance calls, um, call my parents, um, and it was kind of common practice. In fact, at one place, I even asked if I could use the copy machine for my own copies or, you know, I would ask different things. But I, you know, at some point, you know, I came in and I did, you know, an extra day of work um, without getting paid, I also, you know, did, I, um, you know, spoke to my sponsor, um, to my rabbi, you know, how can I make this, you know, how can I make this right? I did whatever I was told. And I remember at one point, um, I accidentally called Jamaica. It was for a client, but I worked in the hospital. We couldn't find the next of kid, and I called this number, and one of the nurses said, you know, that's Jamaica. I'm like, What? So and I told my boss and she just laughed at me and she said, you know, um, she said to me, you know, I never, I, I always thought I was honest until I met my staff, you know, um, you know, she had a few of us that were like this um, and we were all, you know, from whatever, from the same faith and she thought it was just, she just got a kick out of it. Like we were all concerned that we were doing the right thing and she wasn't, she wasn't, uh, used to it and I thought that was something to be for me that was something to be proud of you know um and uh so anyway that was um also the money that I spent though um you know eating out um and going you know you know that that type of thing things that you know should have been spent on on the family um and, you know, I was really in charge of it. Nobody was going to tell me differently, but um, I knew. And, um, you know, it could have been spent spend better. And now I also attend DA and I work those things out in that program. But um very grateful that I 
you know, food is in its proper place and I'm not, you know, abusing my privilege, um, you know, like that. So um, I just wanted to wish everybody a great day and uh, um, thanks again for your service and I pass. Uh, thank you, Elise. Appreciate it. Um, so we're reading from page 80. The third paragraph is what Reba read. Who else would like to share on what was read? Christina J. Harlan. And Christina. Leanne W. Leanne. Russell. Lane C. Okay, let's get let's stop after Lane for the moment. Let me tell you who I've heard so far with my my older ears. Okay, I can't help but hear Harlan. This guy just comes through. Christina, Anne, Leanne, Russell, and Lane. Now batting for the Cubs. Harlan G. Followed by Christina. Hey, Harlan. Number fourteen, Ernie Banks. Hi, Larry. Thank you for your service today. Thank you to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. I have I don't have an amends that exactly in any way involves another person like this, but I feel compelled to share about one of my most special amends. This is back in Chicago, where I was born and raised, and this is... Uh, a story that takes place in about 1982. I had a tooth that was screwed up. And in those days, regular dentists didn't do root canal. You had to go to what's called an endodontist. So I went to an endodontist, and he was about two blocks from where I went to high school at Mather. And he was at Lincoln in California. And I went in there to do... Uh, a root canal for the first time in my life. And uh, at that time, I was probably 550 pounds, somewhere in the neighborhood of there. And uh, the, the nurse comes in, and they numb you up, and then the guy comes in. And the first thing he says to me, not hello, not, not whatever, he says to me, my God, how much do you weigh? He says to me, you are the fattest human being. You are the most obese human being I have ever seen in my life. And I'm numb in the mouth. And when you are a fat kid and you grow up as a fat kid, you learn to shut down emotionally when you are being abused. Because that's the only thing you really can do. Because existentially you feel from childhood that you are wrong all over the place. And because you are fat, you deserve the abuse of other people. You learn over time that you don't, but that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Long story short, he assailed me for the entire time I was in his office. And as it were, as luck would happen, I broke his chair, and he went crazy. So my insurance covered some of the cost of this visit, and I was not going to pay him one thin dime. You know what this guy can do for his money, right? Years later, I'm in beautiful recovery, and I go to make amends to this guy, and he's dead. I see his daughter. 
I give her the money that I owed her, and she refused to take it. I forced the money on her. I said, I really need to do this. Long story short, my tires didn't touch the ground on the way home. It was a Thursday. I remember it so well. The last thing I wanted to do that day was eat. I had moved substantially closer to God and further away from my illness. And Dr. Bob, on November, on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Dr. Bob, when he finally made his amends, he never, ever drank again. This is such a critical step. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, we have Christina followed by Anne. Uh, Christina, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service and all the wonderful shares this morning. So, as we know from the previous paragraph, this man selfishly lied about a sum of money he had received from someone who was a bitterly hated rival, gave him no receipt, denied receiving the money, and ended up destroying the reputation of that man, who at the time he was probably okay with doing because he hated him so much. Selfish. Self-centered. Um, but here, after working the steps in this paragraph, up until this point, we see that this man had gained the beginning of a strong moral consciousness. This, this paragraph, we see his consciousness is awakened. This is by the grace of God and the work in these steps. We awaken to a desire to right the wrong, to go to any length to keep the gifts of sobriety and the ability to stay sober in the midst of life trials and tribulations. Um, I don't want to pick up anymore. My moral compass is activated and I want to stay clean. Oh, my God, the nightmare of going back to the food scares the poop out of me. Um, I want to clean up the, you know, the wrongs that are being revealed so I can keep these gifts so freely given. This is what the big book tells me I must do, and I've got to go to any length to keep these gifts. And so I'm willing to, as these things come up on me, I'm willing to sit down and look at them and go, oh, shit, i got to take care of this. Um, but as we see in the last line of this paragraph, fear has gripped this guy um, because of the moral compass that he has um, that's arisen in his heart not to harm others in his journey to wholeness. Now look here. Um, it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent on him? What a consciousness that has arisen when in the previous paragraph he didn't give a poop. Um, this is beautiful because it's the loss of selfishness and self-centeredness um, and into the awakening to truly care for others. You know, and this is what happens. And we continue this work because if we don't continue this work, we're going to get back into that selfishness and self-centeredness. It's so easy for me to take things personal because I took them personal all my life. My boss, you know, he's a very uh, direct, dry guy, and uh, I ask him a question sometimes, and I want an emotional response, and I get this dry kind of thing, answer, and I, I start to take it personal. I'm like, wait, hold up, hold up here. Uh, this is not about you. He, this is how he is. I don't have to take things personal. I don't have to get selfish and think that, you know, he needs to be a certain way, and he is what he is. And this, I'm going through life with these, these new um, tenants because of this work in this book, and staying close to God, this is my journey, and this is how I bring light to the world now. Through God, in my, in my sobriety, I'm going to finish up here. But this paragraph, he's awakening to a consciousness. He doesn't want to hurt people anymore. 
And that's an amazing thing that happens to us. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thanks, Christina. And but when I hear a shies are smiling. <laughs> Hi, Larry. Good Thanks for your service. This is Anne here, compulsive overeaters from Ireland. Thanks so much, and thanks everyone on the line. Yeah, love this part. And uh, yeah, I was just sharing last night with my ten-step partner. I'm willing to make my amends, and that's a that's a huge gift in itself. But uh, yeah, I'm willing to make amends because I know that I can't go back to the torture, the food. And you know, it says any length, go to any length, and we must not shrink, and we must make right our wrongs, and. Uh, a price has to be paid. Um, and I love the part where I hear on the line people and, and, and members sharing, freedom is not free. So this is the price I must pay, but I'm willing to make the amends. Um, and I've made amends, I've more amends to make, um, you know, make right my wrongs. And it was like last night I was in the supermarket and I was undercharged. Um, many times I would have got a thrill out of that. Um, but this is different. This is where I go back now, make right, you know, what's my mistake, but I've noticed the mistake. So, you know, my conscience brings me back to uh, right, making right my wrongs. And then I get the promise of freedom, freedom from the food, but freedom as well from, you know, all the promises that, that, that freedom is, is, is for me now, freedom from my untethered soul. Um, yeah, I, I get to walk in the sunlight of the spirit. And each time I make an amend, I'm unblocking and, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reducing down that wall between myself and my higher power. And that's the goal to freedom. That's the happy, joyous and free once I'm connected to my higher power. Um, and I'm so grateful that I'm willing and I'm being given this opportunity. Um, you know, it is, it is, a, it is, a, it is a, a daily thing. I've lived amends to make. I've financial amends that continue. Um, but I'm willing, I'm getting the freedom, I'm getting, you know, the promises and I want more. I want a, I want stronger connection. I want more fellowship. I want, I want to be free and I want to be happy and I want to be joyous. Um, and, and this is the price I must pay, but I'm really happy to do this. This is, this is, you know, this is the easier, softer way to torture the food, you know, how it crucified me, how I had to get to that, that, that low bottom. And uh, yeah, I got the gift of de- desperation. I've got it, and I and I don't ever want to go back there. So I'm willing. I'm willing to do this with my higher power and with with all of you on the line, and to get this ma- absolutely magnificent meeting on a Friday morning. Um, it's true recovery for me, and this strengthens my key to recovery. So I leave that that. Thanks, Larry, for your service, and thanks everybody on the line. Thank you, Anne. Oh, thanks, Ann. Uh, we have Leanne followed by Philadelphia Freedom. Leanne, good morning. Good morning, Larry. This is Leanne W. from Massachusetts. I'm so grateful to be here. And um, I shared the other day about some amends that I had to make, uh, financial amends to a walkathon where I had kept the money um, that I had raised for the walking and how I had to repay that. And through this process, um, you know, making amends to employers for, um, you know, for time that I worked where I was at work and didn't work. Um, but I, what I wanted to share today, and I, I'm, I'm not sure if it fully applies, but it definitely applies as far as the finances. Where I've gotten hung up was um, when is is my ability to forgive those that have borrowed or taken money from me and. 
Um, and, you know, I, I grew up in a very poor background. We didn't have anything. And, um, you know, and it was, it was really difficult, I guess, you know, growing up. And when I would receive gifts or material things, you know, I would, you know, hang on to them because we, we just didn't receive things like that. I never really had nice things. And as, as things would work out, I, I did marry a man who um, came from some money. So I have money, uh, more money than most of my family members, albeit I'm not rich. But anyway, the point is, is that folks often ask me for money and I, I give it. And um, but what really hung up um, on me from the other day was this past holiday season, I had gone to a, an event and someone had mistakenly walked out with my coat. And this coat was a gift that was given to me, as were the gloves that were in the pocket. And I'll tell you, I could hang on to that resentment that someone took my gift and has not returned it. And, you know, it's listening to this meeting this morning has made me realize that it it works both ways. You know, it's... um, I don't know if I'll ever receive the coat back and because of, you know, my background, when I receive something, I, I hang on to it, but you know, it's, I have to let go and forgive and, but for the grace of God, I'm in a position where I can go buy a new coat. But, um, and so looking at my past history and my need to make amends is like I said, it's, it's also up to me to forgive and to not hang on to that because that's just going to make me sick if I do that. And so I'm realizing that today um, or every day and especially through this meeting. And I'm just so grateful that we have this time and for everybody shares because God just has spoken to me so loud and clear. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Leanne. Okay, Russell. And then we got Lane. What's up, Russ? Good morning, Larry. Good morning, family. Ross Sam recovered compulsive overeater. So this is this uh, paragraph bringing up a lot of emotion for me. You know, obviously my relationships were screwed up. Everything that comes with this disease was screwed up. But more than anything, I, my finances were just atrocious. It was abysmal. I, I uh, you know, I blew my business. I blew my business eating. Seventy, eighty dollars a day takeout, and that's on credit. On money, I didn't have, so I was in a mess. Right, I was in a mess. I had people beat for money. My uncle lent me money. My one of my buddies, like a brother to me, I owed him for work on my car. My parents, you know, my dad, God rest his soul, they helped me out. You know, they gave me it, but. You know, I, I manipulated them. And um, I had to make it right. And it was hard. And I'm still working on them, right? One, my mom in particular, you know, trying to work that out, trying to, I, I, you know, I was forcing it. I was forcing trying to make this amend. And then I backed off. I said, screw it. You don't want me to make it? A fanabli. You know, go, that's Sicilian for, you know, Go where you need to go, right? Sure enough, that came to a head. So one thing I know 
is that if you have to make amends, there's going to be ample opportunity to make them. You're going to make it whether you want to make it or not if you're in this program. For me, that's how it worked out with Russ. But I'm happy to report that work in this program, that 95% of my financial stuff is behind me. The grace of God and working these steps and trusting God with my finances. You know, when this, I had a major financial thing going about a year and a half ago, and I got on the horn with my, my godfather in the program and said, you don't know what's coming around the corner, dude. You don't know what's coming around the corner. Just recover. Keep working your program. And I could say that with the events. I could say it with the relationships. I could say it with my life in general. If you want to be free, just work this program. Just continue to recover and do the hard stuff. Break through the fear, and you'll have a, you'll have a life that you can't believe. I, I can attest to it. Have a great weekend. Love you guys. Hey, Russ. Thanks so much. Okay, Lane, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning, Larry, and good morning, my fellows. This is Lane C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Rochester, New York. Um, I'm grateful today to comment on this paragraph and, and to, that we're reading this paragraph in this story. Um, for me, I had um, an amends to make um, about a year ago, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit less than a year ago, um, where I, I had originally reached out to make an amends and had and and had a response from someone I was making an amends to about um, more wrong that I had caused that I had not realized that I had caused um, and um, and um, this this information came back to me also with a demand for a more public amends than what I was making and I had to sit with this story I called I called so many people I called so many of you um, and all of you really helped me to put the focus back on what was my part, what had I done, and to also take a look at this story and to take a look at, you know, was, was what I had done of a public nature that demanded a public amends? Um, because this was, this was a wrong that I, I felt like I could not possibly um, make right. And, um, and it really helped me to sit in some of the, um, the discomfort to, to talk with you all about, you know, what, what should I do in this situation to really hear from some discerning, clear, recovered voices um, about how to move forward? And, you know, and I think a lot of this, you know, a lot of the questions that are going through this person's head were questions that I had, you know, like, what right did I have to involve those who are dependent upon me? You know, um, a lot of what was being asked for was, was stuff that might get in the way of my employment, that might get in the way of um of my future and my career. Um, and so, um, you know, and, and I love, I just love that there is so much um, discernment in here and, uh, and that he's asking some really good questions. Um, for me, what it, what eventually happened is that I discerned that it was not a public amends. And so I, I made the offer of a more private amends because um, it wasn't a public action that took place. It was a more private action that took place. Um, but this story was so helpful to me in my process. And I feel like all of these stories are so helpful um, for us in our process. And, and of course, you know, having folks in our program that helps to point us towards um, sort of more clear and, and more sane thinking um, than where we might be at the moment. So I'm really grateful for all of you and grateful for the recovered voices on this line and, um, and just grateful for recovery. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Lane. 
We have time for one, maybe two more shares. Who who wants those spots? Maria Charles and Marie and Charles. Let's go with Maria and Charles. We'll go two and two here. Marie, is it Maria or Maria? Maria. Maria, your turn. Hi, Larry. Thanks very much. My name is Maria F. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Dublin in Ireland. Yeah, and this part where it says, you know, um, yeah, there may be some wrongs that we can never fully right. And for me, it's to say, you know, that I, yeah, there are some wrongs that I can never fully put right, but that um, I honestly would if I could. If I could make them right, I would. Um, and our demand means to change, to put things right, and to mend my behavior. So to change my behavior, because if I make an amend and I'm going on doing the same behavior again, I hurt people again. So it's about changing changing that behavior. Yeah, and, and for me, it's the amend is made in the approach, you know, in taking the action to clean up the wreckage of my past. Um, and cleaning up the wreckage of the harm that I've caused. And yeah, I suppose especially the harm that I caused to the people that I love the most, to my family. And admitting these wrongs, you know. Um, yeah, and something, the four A's that that, that really helped me, you know, that part of, you know, admitting my wrong and asking how I can make it right. Um, and asking the person, is there anything else that I need to know? Is there anything else that you want me to do? Um, and I would have thought at the beginning that, you know, you make amends to yourself. I thought, thought where's the amends for me along the way? And I do not take amends to myself. The amends I made to myself was I work these steps. I work these steps hard. Um, yeah, and I have found that the more amends I make, the more room God has to bring other amends up. So even even in the last week or so where we've been doing this part of the big book, more amends have come up and I am absolutely willing to make them. And, and a lot of them are financial amends um, that I, I am going to make and I'm going to go to my sponsor with them and, uh, and make those amends. And thank God that I'm willing to do that. Uh, yeah, so thanks for listening to me, Larry. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Maria. Charles, you're in charge for the last two minutes here, brother. Thank you, bro, bro. Um, so, you know, this is such a, a powerful paragraph, and uh, I love the interpretations on here. You know, uh, for me, the humbling piece oh, is, 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 is I'm trying to make a – hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, Charles, I can hear you. If everyone would mute their phone. Thanks, Charles. Hey, Charles, we, we lost you there. Sorry. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you, Charles. Oh, all right. Thanks, Lars. Um, so this is such a powerful paragraph. It's like, you know, people, like I used to want to disrespect you in public and talk to you quietly to, to save my reputation. You know, but my rep was suspect because I believe, and this is just me, Right? Um, if I disrespected you in a public place, I should I should I should make the amends publicly. You know, because it's it's humbling. You know, you know, sometimes we, we ask the person, Hey, what else can I do for you? And sometimes people be too scared to ask you, 
hey, you know, I, I think you should shout it on a rooftop, just like how you disrespected me on a rooftop. You know, um, but but uh, it, it says on page 72 or 73, they, they only thought they, they humbled themselves. You know, sometimes people, we hurt people real bad, and they want you to let the world know you hurt them. Not not for you, for them. So I, I just thought I would I would put that in there as uh you know playing devil's advocate. With that I pass. Thanks, Uh thanks Charles. Great way to end here. And thank you to everyone who has shared and, and, and joined us this morning. Please join us. We have a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing here. Let me give you the share ID for today, which is January 3rd, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Uh, That number is 13,918. That's 13918. Okay, so we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Kathy C., are you available to read that for us? And Kathy, press star one if you would. Hi, Larry. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Thanks, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy C. from New York. Grateful to be here. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.